Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, right now, just me tonight. Uh, Aaron is off traveling in Colorado and uh, most likely will not be able to join us. It's uh, uh, doing that Colorado thing that he does. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, today's going to be an interesting show. You know, we've we've followed a lot of trends over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, and the one that, that comes up all the time, uh, especially for, you know, operators, for, you know, people that are on the vendor side, people that are on the, the doer side of things, the customer side of things is, is they're seeing more and more this idea that software is eating the world, right? This idea that more and more things are becoming, um, you know, enabled via software, whether those are new technologies, whether they're business models, whether they're, you know, trying to take, uh, physical goods and, and and embedding software within them. And so, you know, we thought tonight would be kind of cool. We, uh, we're we going to have an opportunity to speak with um, some folks that, that are living and breathing this stuff every day and, and have a very good sense of what's going on in this world. So excited to have Matt Collier, uh, product manager from GitHub on tonight. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So give us a little bit of your background, because not only are you part of GitHub doing product management at GitHub, but you've also you know, been a developer, you've been an entrepreneur prior to GitHub. So give folks a sense of your background, you know, not only what you're working on today, but, but some of the things that you've been working on in the past as well. Sure, yeah. Um, my career has definitely progressed from being an engineer um, to product management where I'm at now. And it's taking place mostly at smaller high-tech companies um, out here in San Francisco. Um, I think I've worked at six different startups. Um, two of which I've co-founded, um, the most recent of which was called Easel. Um, it was a Y Combinator-backed startup, and we actually got acquired in November 2012 by GitHub. Um, and so that's why I'm here at GitHub today. Um, and during that transition, initially when I came to GitHub, I started as an engineer. Um, I worked a little bit on the Atom project before it was public, um, and then transitioned over to the enterprise product um, since then, and then I've been working on that since then, and now I, I take more of a general business focus. So still looking after enterprise, but also our organization product as well. Okay, great. And, you know, it, it's sort of weird, you know, when, when GitHub first got started, it was, um, you know, this this sort of super exciting thing, not that it's not exciting anymore, but it was a super exciting idea that um, people were going to, you know, put their software out in this public place, which, you know, open source has been around for a long time, but it was kind of this very, you know, broad realization that that, that was a trend that was happening. And nowadays, you know, GitHub is such an integral part of, <clears throat> you know, people's business, people's development process. I mean, you'll hear from time to time, like, you know, I have, I mean, GitHub is almost like DNS for developers. Like it just absolutely has to be there. Um, you know, we know Mark Andreessen made this sort of famous software's eating the world quote a little while ago. We're seeing more and more companies though, not just you know, sort of vendor-led companies, but more and more companies of every ilk, you know, making software development a core part of their core business, sort of insourcing again the idea of, of where software and, and that comes from. Give us a sense from your perspective, you know, what what are you seeing in that? Is that is that a, a trend that's, you know, realistic? And, and what are you seeing in that space? How are you seeing customers, you know, really starting to re-embrace that, that idea of, of owning and building software and making it part of their business? Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time to be in software. Um, I mean, even in my short tenure here working on the enterprise product, um, I've definitely noticed that every company is uh, becoming a software company. I think some of the trends that you've kind of pointed out have been um, really critical. Um, I think oftentimes companies in, like I'd say, the late 90s and the early 2000s, they felt like this is something that they could outsource, and offshoring was a big thing. Um, And I think 
probably, I don't know, the last five years, it's kind of turned the other way. Um, especially with the advent of mobile devices, I would say is like a large motivator. Like a lot of, a lot of these like retail operations, um, I don't know, other like large manufacturers have realized that like these, these mobile devices are very personal to every single um, one of their consumers. Right. And so owning that experience is incredibly important because it allows them to have a deeper interaction with their customers. Um, and if they, if they use an outsourced company, like they just can't d- instill their uh, company values in the same way that they can if they own that development themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. We're seeing, I mean, everybody, uh, they've got to have their app. They've got to, but it's not just, you know, I want to have my app. It's, I want to have more direct access to, you know, what people do, not just how they buy, but the context that they buy, you know, how do they interact around all those things? So yeah, that, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I think sometimes people underestimate how much mobile is really changing, you know, how much people interact with businesses, how, how quickly they can get information and how important that is. Um, what do you, I mean, like, what, what do you, what do you hear from people, uh, companies, um, you know, ISVs and so forth as they're sort of making that transition? Are there, are there, th- are there sort of moments, aha moments that you, that you hear from them where they go, oh, wow, you know, we did this and, and the, the business kind of totally changed for us. Or, uh, you know, we had no idea how, how big this, you know, this sort of community or what was available to us. Do, do you have any good anecdotes from sort of, you know, kind of that, that aha moment for people of, of sort of getting back to insourcing? Uh, I'm trying to think of one. I mean, I, like, I know I've been struck by um, some of the customers that I've interacted with, of people like brand names that you and I would know. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I can't use their names. Yeah, that's fine. Know, that permission, but um, I was just struck at some of like these these large manufacturing firms that like how deep that knowledge is. Like honestly, like going to their offices and visiting them and hearing the stories that they tell, like you would think that they're just like another high tech firm starting up, um, and really instilling that that understanding of user experience. I think is also kind of new. Um, so it's not just the development. Like the thing that's really changed is like that they become customer first companies. Um, previously, it was like the company would kind of just develop a product and put it out there in the market and then hopefully they would sell it and it would work. And I think in the last couple of years, it's really become clear that the, the companies that are most successful are the ones that truly empathize with their customers um, and really take that design and user experience um, to the next level. Yeah. And, and I think those, those examples and, Again, the, the company name almost becomes sort of irrelevant, right? You could be talking about a, an automotive manufacturer. You could be talking about a tractor manufacturer. You could be talking about people that build almost anything. It's, um, you know, what I see is the, the Internet, you know, did some very interesting things in terms of how you could reach the marketplace. But then, you know, it also disrupted how you knew the marketplace. And I think people are now getting smarter again about you know, like you said, when it becomes mobile or, or, you know, you're able to sort of have that personal interaction with somebody, you know, what you can, what you can do with that experience and how you can customize it and how you can take feedback from them and, and, and update things in, in a pretty, you know, real, uh, real, real time experience and kind of give them what they're looking for, which you really couldn't necessarily do in the past. It was whatever your retail store could do, or it was, you know, whatever was coming off the assembly line. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to hear the stories that aren't just, you know, the new social media app out of of Silicon Valley. It's, you know, what's going on in the rest of the world, which I think you're, you're sort of highlighting. Yeah. I think one really great example of that actually, as have you've been talking more, I've been thinking about it, um, is like the paint store, right? So like, I remember when my, when my parents went to go paint a room, um, like we went to the, like the hardware store, picked up some, like the paint sticks or whatever. And like, with the paint chips on it and we'd go home and try to like this tiny little square trying to figure out what like, well, does this color match or does that color match? And like 
the stuff that you see now in some of these apps is kind of incredible. It's like a mix of augmented reality and like a mobile like first experience in that you just download this app on your phone and then you could sit in your room and take a picture of it and then play with these different colors. And then you can order the paint and then go to the store, pick it up and like you're done. Right. And like that, that's like a huge amount of change, right? Like it, and oh, yeah. it enables these companies to reach consumers in a better way. Yeah. No, there's a, <clears throat> yeah, you, you brought that up. There's a, there's a great example of that. I think it was, I think it was Sherwin Williams uh, at the last DevOps Enterprise Summit and, and the guy who was giving the talk, it was just a, a side talk. He said, you know, we're a 150 year old company, you know, we do paint and none of you would think that paint is technology oriented, but, and then he, he went and gave that example, exactly what you said, which is, you know, we, we help you reimagine what your world looks like and what your, you know, what your dining experience or your living room experience looks like. And, and that's, you know, he was like, that's really cool from, you know, from a paint company, it, you know, the other big trend, not just owning software, um, you know, getting back into insourcing, but we're seeing more and more companies who are realizing that that being part of, of open source software and being part of communities um, is really important. I mean, we're you know, there are the the sort of cornerstone ones that people know about the the Netflixes of the world and Netflix OSS. But you know, we're seeing companies like Capital One and we're seeing General Electric and we're seeing you know big household names that you never would have thought would have gotten into open source. Um, you know, are, are not only actively participating but they're creating their own projects. I, does that surprise you at all or, or anything from, from that space that, you know, you're sort of learning, especially on the enterprise side of things that surprised you or, or, you know, that, you know, you're, you're seeing as, as interesting trends. Uh, it's super fascinating to me. Actually, um, before I got really into startups, I was actually super passionate about open source. Um, so I probably committed to my first open source project when I was like 12. Um, so a while ago. And like, I remember at the time being so enthralled by like the idea of like, like the possibilities that could unlock the fact that you could work with somebody halfway across the world on the same idea and like make it turn it into reality um, was a super exciting thing for me. And so I think being in a really unique position in time and place um, being at GitHub is like, it's awesome that we can start to kind of be a part of that story of like enabling these companies to um, take the, the learnings of the open source world um, and enable them to change their development processes um, to create better product. Um, and I, I fundamentally believe it's like a better way to develop software. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also tackling a lot of these challenges that companies have had for a long time. Like companies have been multinational, um, multi like geo distributed for a very long time. Um, and open source provides some uh, tooling and some processes to kind of like circumvent that, um, that allows them to take more efficient use of that, like the position of their employees where they are um, when they can work. Right. Right. Well, and you used to always hear, you know, big CEOs who would say, Hey, we've got to be innovative and, you know, not all the great ideas are going to come from us. And then, you know, it was a great sort of stump speech, but then it kind of went away. And, you know, what's, what's really interesting to me about GitHub amongst a lot of other things is it's not only the place where you keep your software, it integrates with things so you can do CI and CD, but there's so much collaboration that goes on. I mean, it's, it's as much a, a collaboration platform as it is, anything to do with software development and, and because it's open and because anybody can collaborate, anybody can, can, you know, push code, anybody can make a pull request, but then you can just have open discussions around the platform. I think that's, you know, putting the tools with the idea is, is really, really, really powerful and makes that thing that you were talking about happen. It allows, you know, different, you know, different companies, different regions of the world to integrate with each other. And, and, um, you know, to me, that's, that part is really, really powerful and it's, not something you would have naturally expected to just sort of happen. Uh, 
What, what do you, you know, when you, when you see people doing those types of collaborations, do you, do you find as you're talking to enterprise companies, um, what are the sort of first steps and best practices and things that you sort of recommend to them to say, hey, it's, you know, like the, the equivalent of like, come on in, the water's warm or, you know, just dip your toes in and it's, it's okay. Here's, here's an example of, of some things that have worked out and, and you haven't, you know, sunk the company because somehow you gave away intellectual property or something like that. Yeah, I think one of the great things about intersourcing is that it actually doesn't require that many hurdles to be crossed by companies. Um, so they actually don't have to worry about um, intellectual property concerns because um, intersourcing is all about creating that open source community within your company. Yeah. Um, and so that code is just as protected as it was before. Um, and it allows you to, to leverage those processes that have been developed by the open source community um, and apply them internally. So things like code review, um, collaboration, transparency, um, are all important things that we've seen um, successfully transition into the enterprise. And I think one of the things, one of the very first steps, honestly, is like a lot of these companies getting onto a single platform um, is a huge first step. Um, that oftentimes when we come into these accounts, um, they'll have like five or six different um, version control systems. And when they switch to GitHub, um, they unify on a single appliance. And that in itself unlocks a huge amount of value because now a developer can search across all of the code within that company. And so an example of this is like maybe you work at a car manufacturer and um, you have a VIN decoder. So like the VIN is like that, that unique serial number. Um, right. And so like it's a very <clears throat> common operation that they could apply maybe in their website and maybe in their mobile app. And like previous to now, um, maybe their mobile developers were on a single version control system over here. And then their website developers were on a different version control system. But now on GitHub, they're on a single instance. And so the next time a developer needs to use this VIN decoder uh, library, they go on to their GitHub Enterprise instance and search for it. Um, and they're able to find that, hey, look, somebody already wrote this, right? Um, and so now they don't, have to reuse, they don't have to rebuild that from scratch. Um, and maybe they've made an improvement. They're like, actually, I need this functionality. And so they can contribute it back. And now those other products get to leverage that um, improvement as well. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And I think sometimes people forget that, um, you know, GitHub isn't just for public projects. People can do private projects. It, it's a great way, like you said, to figure out, um, you know, how to search across, you know, an, an enterprise domain. You know, are we using, have we, have, has this work already been done before? Has somebody already, you know, worked on it or just, you know, I want to see the conversation that went on around what happened with, with that piece of technology. Maybe we can reuse it. Maybe the scenario was a year or two ago and things have radically changed. And um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's really, really important. Like one of the things that a lot of companies are, are going through this transition. So people see the benefits of things like public cloud, you know, GitHub as a, as a public service. Um, But, you know, for whatever reason, they go, well, I, I can't use that service. Uh, I need my data to be on-premises or I need it to be secure in some different manner. Um, I need my own system for whatever reason. What, what do you guys, because GitHub now has, you know, there's not only, you know, GitHub.com, the public service, but there's GitHub Enterprise and GitHub for Business. And how do you see people managing the the benefits and challenges of, of you know, the thing that's run by somebody else versus sort of the same software that they can acquire for themselves and, and kind of operate them, you know, on their own? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the customer. I mean, we offer both um, delivery models for our products because um, we think that there's just different markets with different needs. Right. Um, so GitHub.com is honestly the product that people are probably most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a hosted SaaS offering. And a lot of companies um, that are smaller or just um, 
they don't have as many um, IP concerns are comfortable with using the github.com platform as it is today. Right. Um, and, and that's great. I mean, the benefits are that we roll out changes multiple times a day on that platform. Um, it's tested by millions of people and you don't have to spend administrative effort to kind of get that um, best of breed um, delivery model there. Um, now, on the other hand, there are enterprises um, that need to have more security and more control over their code. Um, and they need uh, tighter audit controls or tighter audit, um, more detailed audit information about sure. it. And so GitHub Enterprise is really the product that's built for them. Um, and then oftentimes those companies still have their open source work on GitHub.com and they push it up from their GitHub Enterprise install when it's ready. Yeah. And, and how is, how is GitHub Enterprise sort of evolved? Is it, um, you know, can I, let, let's say I take a, an organization that to a certain extent is, is kind of segmented for, for whatever reason, you know, it could be, you know, sort of the, the general electric model where I have different businesses that are just under the same umbrella, or, you know, maybe I'm a, an organization that has to, you know, have certain, like you said, security or audit reasons to be kind of separated. Um, are there ways to, to federate sort of GitHub enterprise appliances at some point, if you say, Hey, you know, we started this way and we can, but we want to start connecting them together because, you know, we've grown or evolved or something, or do they still, you know, sort of operate under a single domain? Well, we actually, our, our recommendation is actually to have a single appliance, even for these very large customers. Um, kind of what we were talking about earlier, right? That the larger the group of code that you have to work with, um, the more value you're going to unlock within your company. Because even across multiple different business units, you might be able to find libraries. Like maybe there's an image processing library that's useful in your, like, biomedical division, but that's also useful in maybe your mechanical division as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really do encourage companies, like oftentimes it's kind of a, a progression that they're very like used to a, a model where everything's siloed. Yep. And so even getting everything in a single system is like kind of a tough sell. Um, but we provide the access controls to really lock it down to just the organizations. Um, but we encourage those companies to slowly transition, like maybe just new projects by default. So you open them up public within your company. Um, and then that they start to see the value of that. And then yeah. kind of projects that were pre- private previously are then turn public. Um, and then it continues to unlock value for that company. And so like, I would say that that's really the progression that we see. Um, we really do have customers that have multiple instances. Um, and we do provide a path and tool ways, uh, tooling to allow them to combine those instances into a single instance. So even if they do go down that road of like, there's a single enterprise instance for each division, um, they can still make a choice in the future that rolls it all up into a single instance. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. What, what are you seeing just, just trend wise? Um, you know, like, like you said, um, you know, the, the companies in the Valley, they, they grow up around, uh, using GitHub as their, as their way of, of building code and, and collaborating where smaller companies will do that, you know, github.com. What do you see for, you know, some of those faster moving, smaller companies, just kind of best practices that, that large companies, you know, so sort of should know more about, should be following, maybe don't, don't follow, uh, you know, as, as much that they could sort of easily adopt and, and become, you know, better at developing software, better at being organized and so forth. I think the most recent change in the last, like I'd say two to three years, um, that the smaller companies have totally embraced is the continuous deployment model, mm-hmm. um, is a huge, it's like a huge shift from waterfalls, um, down to this always pushing features out when they're ready. Um, and I think it does a couple different things that, um, make software development easier. First of all, it breaks huge problems down into very small ones, um, which, reduces the complexity of the problem and then ensures uh, has a greater chance of ensuring your success. 
Um, but then also, I think there's other parts of the tooling that really um, empower developers to, to focus where their time is best spent. So having your deployment tools just be a push button that you can essentially de- deploy your application, your mobile app, your web app um, with a single command reduces the pain and the friction. Like previously, like there was large like QA departments and build um, managers to kind of deploy things and like automating that as much as possible. I mean, this is part of the DevOps movement has like really unlocked a lot of value and then people can focus on delivering value to their customers and less about the, the packaging and the delivery method. Right. Yeah. I, I see that more and more people, um, you know, and sometimes it depends a little bit on, on, on who's talking and, and, you know, what, what sort of tools and services they're kind of involved with. But, but the ones that I see that are, that are sort of successful, I mean, there'll be some early lighthouse people within an organization that, that might build a cool new application that kind of prove out agile or DevOps or, you know, whatever they're calling it sort of going faster. Um, but the thing that, that kind of, I, I see tends to sort of make or break whether or not those things work is if they get those those CI/CD pipelines in place and they get them right, um, as opposed to you know doing that sort of as an afterthought or doing that later and focusing more just on the development tools. And do, do you find that as well? You kind of uh, you know have to have the pipeline ready to go whether you've got one project or fifty projects, as opposed to thinking about that later on once a whole bunch of pro- new projects are in place. Yeah, definitely. I think there's like there is this big shift between the projects that were started with a CD pipeline in place versus the ones um, that weren't. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge for like large existing um, enterprises is that they have a lot of projects that were started before um, the develop tooling was really developed. Right. And so like the advantages that these smaller companies have um, is that they didn't really have they don't have all this um, legacy code that they've got to maintain. And so I, I think uh, enterprises have really caught on to this. And so all new projects are essentially following this methodology. Um, but I think it's slower to come to these existing projects. Right. So it's going to take some time to kind of work through the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah. I, I sort of, I guess, last question, and I'll, 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 we'll sort of wrap it up here. You know, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, we're seeing mobile being such a big shift for people, uh, you know, companies in terms of how they interact with customers. And are you seeing anything in terms of, you know, the, the shift from, you know, web centric apps to mobile apps and, and now maybe into different types of apps, people talk about serverless or IOT or, or other kind of interactions. Are you seeing different kind of requests to GitHub about, you know, how they want the tooling to work or, you know, is it, is the, is the platform uh, flexible enough to go, Hey, whether you're doing web apps, whether you're doing mobile apps, you know, whether you're doing whatever's coming next that might move even faster, is it, kind of suited to deal with all that? Are you seeing some, some new types of requests for, for things uh, with these new types of applications being built? So one of our important product strategies is actually, um, we believe integrations are incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to be the platform that enables all of these different kinds of integrations. Like we realize um, the CI CD pipeline for a mobile app is going to be completely different than for a Python web app. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want developers from both kinds of applications to work on GitHub, the platform. And so um, we, that's where we really see like our partners in the ecosystem to be incredibly valuable um, is that we're not going to be able to develop all these new and different um, tools. And it really fosters this environment of creativity, right? That like um, somebody on their weekend can kind of come up with this new programming language or new framework, try it out, plug it into our API, and then continue to use it with the, exist- the rest of their tooling. So I, I, I do see a ton of innovation. If anything, I think the rate of change has increased, I think is probably the thing that's changed yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, but there's no like bigger theme. Like I think there's just so much creativity. There's more developers now than there ever have been, and like we really see that trend accelerating. Right. Um, 
and are excited about it because it unlocks all this human creativity. Um, the more developers that we can um, get developing code. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's an incredibly exciting space to be. I mean, you, you think about, you know, the, the prospect of being like, well, I can save my IT department 15 or 20% is, is nice. And, you, you know, people pound away and they do those things. But the idea of kind of reshaping a business, reshaping what the top line of a company looks like, what, how they interact with their, their company, with their partners, with their customers, like that'll get you up every single morning and go, you know, how can I be creative? How can I listen to, you know, look at the data in new ways? How can I listen to my customer? Like that's really exciting. And, and the fact that you guys are right in the middle of that has got to be, you know, incredibly fun to just sort of get up every morning, go to work and, and figure out how to help them be successful. Yeah. I mean, the thing that gets me up in the morning is actually like, like expanding the definition of a developer. Like we've been thinking a lot about this recently and today people often think of developers as people that come from traditional CS backgrounds, but I think more and more as, um, these hacked universities have gotten started um, and there's more and more free content online that like people are coming from all sorts of backgrounds. People are making career transitions halfway through their career. Other people are starting out very young. And like, that's the thing that excites me is like, uh, it's a great equalizer. Like when we distribute this skill set to a wider range of people, like we're unlocking both creativity and we're um, enabling those people to have like a great career. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's, that's great sort of insight. I think, yeah, if you think about it, um, you know, if, if this premise that sort of software is, is eating the world does, does sort of pan itself out, um, you know, and you want to be in building, you know, whatever, whatever discipline you want to be in software will just be part of that. Um, just like, you know, every other change has been part of it. So, you know, having some knowledge of that, whether you're actually writing code or you're just thinking about customer experiences or you're just, you know, you're, you're involved with what, what it means to, you know, having a mobile device in your hand could do to, to change the business is pretty interesting and, and people need to be thinking about that. Very cool. Um, listen, I'm going to wrap it up. What's, you know, what's the best way if people want to, you know, learn more about what you're doing, you know, sort of on the enterprise side of GitHub, want to reach out to you on, on Twitter or anywhere else, what's the best way to kind of get in touch with you or the kind of the work that you're working on at GitHub? Yeah. Um, I have a personal Twitter. It's M Collier, C O L Y E R. Um, but to find out about the company's work, um, our blog often has like our, our feature announcements. That's where it goes out first. So that's a great place to follow. And then if you're more interested in the enterprise side of things, it's github.com slash business. Um, and we've got details of the various business products that we offer. Fantastic. And uh, will you guys be out and about at, uh, at events and different things uh, coming up soon? Oh, yeah. We have a ton of events. Um, I believe we also post those on our blog as well. Okay, cool. So we'll put those in the show notes and uh, kind of highlight that for people. And, and folks, you know, if you're at... But if you're going to be at like Velocity Conference here in a week or so, uh, you know, the, the GitHub folks are always there. They're typically doing tutorials and things, everything from, you know, how to get started to how to do pretty advanced stuff. So definitely go take a look, check them out. Um, you know, as always, you can get discounts. Uh, if you use PC Cloud 20, you'll get 30% off for Velocity Conf, and we're still running the contest for a few more days to give away some free passes. So um, definitely a chance to, to meet up with the folks uh, from GitHub. Um, always very, very nice, great set of training on their website. So go take a look. Matt, thank you so much for being on tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, for Matt and for Aaron, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 